my decision um, based on data. That's what I make all my decisions on. Now, sometimes I have a gut reaction that goes against the data, and I certainly will take that into account. But in matters of science and medicine, I'm going with the data. And the data proves all over the world that the more people who are vaccinated, the less COVID there is. Simple as that. I'm a simple man. Okay, more vaccinated, less there is. Now, the anti-vaxxers believe, well, it's untested, it's this, that, and it could have side effects down the road. Okay, and that may be true. But public health emergency where uh, millions are dying, you know, I'm going to go with the, uh, with the vax. And if I turn into a werewolf in five years, I'll, I'll just have to stay up later on nights where there's a full moon. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, I don't want to make light of it, but I don't live my life uh, in fear. I never have. And maybe that's foolish. Um, so I'll get the, uh, the booster shot. We'll have more on the COVID, uh, coming up, but let's get into, um, some very serious stories. I talked to Hanny on his radio program today. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation. And he asked me how I would save Americans and Afghans that are now under, uh, the Taliban's charge. I told him very specifically what I would do. Uh, I'm going to uh, let you listen to it because it requires a long explanation and it's a hypothetical. We don't live in a hypothetical world here on the No Spin News. This is all facts. Okay. The hypothetical was what Sean asked for and I gave it to him. And I backed it up with a, listen, I've just finished writing a book called Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorism. I know how this goes down. And I gave a solution to protect Americans and others uh, now that the Taliban has taken over. So uh, here in the United States, um, the Biden administration, uh, his national security advisor, uh, the secretary of state, uh, I, you know, we didn't really know. And, uh, you know, I couldn't just couldn't really put a finger on it. We're so surprised. And now the New York Times is just turning on Biden temporarily. Uh, they have an article today, uh, and it uh, basically says, no, Biden was told that this could be a debacle. I'm going to quote it. Classified assessments by American spy agencies over the summer painted an increasingly grim picture of the prospect of a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and warned of the rapid collapse of the Afghan military, even as President Biden and his advisors said publicly that was unlikely to happen. According to current and former American government officials, anonymous sources, that's what the New York Times does. By July, many intelligence reports grew more pessimistic, questioning whether any Afghan security forces would muster serious resistance and whether the government could hold on to Kabul, the capital. President Biden said on July 8th, the Afghan government was unlikely to fall that there would be no chaotic evacuations of Americans similar to the end of the Vietnam War. So that's the New York Times. Now, the importance of that, if it's true, and again, it's an anonymous source, is that if Biden were told, if Biden was told himself, and this has got to be in classified information, if he's told that this government's going to collapse and then he lied to the American people, that's impeachable. And it's a simple, it's a simple play. Now, there are going to be congressional hearings under oath. That's the only question, by the way. 
That's it. We know Biden's incompetent. We know he's weak. But if he lied to us in July when his Nat security people were saying, going to go, impeachable. Now, will he be impeached? No. Not now, because the House is controlled by the Democrats. But in the midterms, if the Republicans take over the House and Senate, which I believe they will, then he could be. See? This is ultra serious. What I just told you is the crux of the matter. Did Biden lie to the nation? Was he told that it's likely that Kabul will fall, the Taliban will take over? It's a simple play. Okay. Um, there is now confusion among the left-wing media. So the New York Times is left as it gets. They were cheerleading for Biden over and over and over and over and over. But they now know that he's a bad president. And now they're trying to cover their butts. CYA. Okay? And that's why they wrote this article. The others are trying to follow suit. Now, I'm going to refresh your memory on Biden and what he said in July. Go. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. Okay, so we now know that was a um, misstatement. Okay? Now, maybe he was just wrong. But again, if he were told, then he's in trouble. Major trouble. So what does CNN do? CNN has lost all credibility. Their ratings are as low as they ever have been. Nobody trusts the network. So now they're trying to regain a little credibility. Roll the tape. I mean, to hear Jake Sullivan call this the successful drawdown of the U.S. Embassy there, his words, I, I mean, is almost comical, right? I mean, I don't see how anybody could call that a successful drawdown, given the circumstances we're seeing there. Okay, so CNN basically has decided, and remember, these, these people don't say stuff on their own. They're told what to say. Um, so they've decided, well, we can't support Biden here in this one. We ignored the border, another humanitarian catastrophe. We ignored that, can't ignore this. But MSNBC has not really gone out of its way to criticize Biden. It's... NBC News is further left than CNN, if you can believe it. I mean, it's just stunning. It's just stunning that NBC News, the home once of Huntley and Brinkley, and now a totally ideological operation. They're kind of just on the surface. They're not really going in hard. Interesting. Okay, so why is the liberal media turning on Biden. Two reasons. Number one, as I said, CNN trying to regain a little credibility. But number two is what we reported last week, and I'm going to refresh your memory. It's a Washington Post editorial from the 8th of August. All right. Put it up on a screen. For the most part, the administration's impulses are humane. However, they have driven a policy whose incoherence has yielded pressure at the border 
that may cost the Democrats control of one or both houses of Congress in next year's midterm elections. So far, there's nothing in administration short of long-term strategizing that is likely to shift that dynamic. There it is. There it is. The Washington Post and all the other leftist news operations are afraid of my prediction that I made mm, five months ago that the midterm elections are going to go against the progressives and Biden. And that's another reason where they're trying to send him a signal, you better do better. But he can't do better. It's not, you see, most people, smart people, can correct their mistakes. They can adjust. They can be nimble. He can't. And now we know that his advisors are idiots. Across the board, Jake Sullivan, Anthony Blinken, all the generals that he appointed, Miley. They have any credibility for anybody? No. So he can't. Biden can be better. So how long is this anti-Biden stuff on CNN and New York Times, how long is this going to continue? Up until Labor Day, Labor Day weekend, Friday before. So the story is intense because now you're going to see reports, and you see them today, of Taliban cutting people's heads off, uh, raping women, uh, you name it, they're going to do it. Because that's what they do. I mean... Taliban are terrorists. That's what they do. So they're going to do it. But remember that Biden is watching it very closely. That They're watching it very closely. You know, watch the Taliban. See what they do. Okay. So those stories of atrocities are going to be another 10 days or so. And they're going to get worse. And the news cycle will... But after Labor Day, then it's going to stop. Then we'll be on to COVID and kids in schools. That's the story that will take away from Afghanistan. COVID, kids, schools. Okay? There you go. Okay. So I looked around for a guest today, um, and I wanted a guy who uh, was there in Afghanistan and knows the country and who has uh, an independent line of thought. I don't want an ideologue that's boring. That's what the cable news does every night. I can't even watch it anymore. So I settled on a guy named Jack Carr. He's a a writer now. He writes novels. The Devil's Hand is his latest. Um, But he led a special operations team in Afghanistan. He was the platoon commander. He's a Navy SEAL. And uh, he was in Afghanistan in 2003. So I'm a simple man, as you know, Commander. And uh, I have a very simple question for you. If you were in charge of the campaign in Afghanistan back in 2003 when you were there, what would you have done? Well, I'll be a little more blunt and specific than General Petraeus was. Um, and I want to talk, I want to get very specific on what I would do now and what I would have done then. But um, initially, we had so much, I mean, it's almost like we could not have done this worse had we been specifically trying to make this the worst possible situation that we could. That we could. Um, so we have a lot of history to look at here. We have Alexander the Great, we have Genghis Khan, we have three British incursions, we have the Soviet experience from 79 to 89. We can apply our Vietnam experience to that. And as Dr. David Kilcullen talks about, they've been provoking, intimidating, protracting, and exhausting forces for centuries. So we know this going in. 
and we fall victim to our own intellectual inertia because for whatever reason we decide that we uh we fall victim also to imperial hubris we're not going to take these lessons and we can do it better than all those armies in the past so it's called the graveyard of empires for a reason that's not just a cute marketing tool uh and that should have been should have been a clue so uh i'm carrying this to my interviews because there's been a lot of changes to the reading lists out there from our from our military leaders and they missed something very important that clash was talked about and he talked about the culminating point of victory. And we hit that in 2001, 2002. And what he means by that is that if you go past that culminating point of victory, then you turn that success into failure. So then we took the next 19 years and we turned that initial success into the disaster that we're seeing today. So All right, let me stop you there. So the initial success was that U.S. forces went in, they drove the Taliban out of government, they drove Al-Qaeda into the mountains of uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan, um, and they pacified the country. That was the initial success, correct? Exactly. Yeah, All right. Covered it under and you, and you were part of that. And you believe that was a noble mission because you had to get Al-Qaeda out of their sanctuary after 9-11. Is that correct? Am I correct so far? Exactly right. You're All right. destroying that, so, that organization, decapitating that organization. And uh, remember, talking heads at the time talked about how long it was going to take, and we did it in months, what okay. they predicted years. So you and your That's guys, the, you and the SEALs, you took care of business. Then, if you had been president and not Bush, you would have withdrawn all U.S. troops out of there? Well, now you have, now you have options. And what we did was focus on reconstruction. We shifted focus to Iraq, and we decided that we were gonna somehow combat corruption in a culture that uh, doesn't see it as something wrong. It's just a part of the culture, part of the tribal culture, part of the warlord culture over in Afghanistan. So we bite off a ton more that we then we can chew, and it becomes this 20 long, 20 year long engagement in Afghanistan. All right, so let, let me, I wanna get specific though. So you would have had, you've been President Bush, pulled out all U.S. troops, or would you have left a force there to make sure the Taliban, who are still hiding up in the mountains, some of them, didn't come back? What would you have done? Yep, you can either leave one, we have options. You can leave a small force in Afghanistan. You can now go maybe to Pakistan, where we had some initial relations right off the bat. Uh, you can go to some other countries bordering, not Iran, but some other countries that border uh, Afghanistan, and you can use those. So there's some options there to look at. Point being, we didn't look at that. We decided to essentially Nation occupy. Bill. And, and Joe Biden was a big part of that. Joe Biden was the guy. He was there when you were there. I'm sure you didn't see him because you were dodging bullets up in the mountain and he was running around Kabul. But he was a big part. Oh, no, no, no. We got to go in and restructure the country and all, and all of that. Okay, so from the jump, you knew that that big mission of turning Afghanistan into a functioning democracy that would fight terrorism, Islamic terrorism, you knew that wasn't going to work. Is that correct? Uh, I think most everybody that was in my position at the time knew that that wasn't going to work. Okay. Anybody that, that took a couple seconds to study the situation and maybe look at a little history knew that. And All right. Right off. So let's let's fast forward to today. So you've got this thing and it, it spans uh, Bush and it spans uh, Obama and it spans Trump. And you got it then uh, thanks to Trump who wanted out of there. Um, but wasn't going to go out like this. Uh, he would have hit back and hit back hard. Um, so now you have a withdrawal. They, they want out. 
how would you have done that and not had what we saw the last two days? Right. We have 20 years to prepare for this. So over that 20 years, we can make some better decisions here. Now, if we decided we're getting out, which we are, how about not giving the exact date and then not giving that September 11th date, knowing how important dates are to the enemy? What, uh, what I would have done specifically was say, hey, we're leaving in the spring of 2022, summer of 2022, June 1st of 2022. How about that? And over this next few months, working on this visa issue, vetting the people that helped us over there to get them out, let, letting our special operations forces off the hook and hitting the Taliban and Al-Qaeda so hard that it puts them on their heels, puts them on the defensive because we know we're getting out. And then instead of leaving on June 1st, we leave before December 31st of 2021. I mean, these are basics. These are some, some uh, something that anyone with common sense can figure out. And it's something that our senior level leaders are, uh, are missing, that common sense piece. All right, so Trump made a mistake by saying May 1st they were gonna be out because he was the first one that put the time on it. So you're saying that was a mistake for him to do that? Putting any time on that allows the enemy, gives them a data point from which to plan. Right, okay. So we wanna give them the, time, we wanna give them the wrong date is what okay. we wanna do. So, so now, now, like we saw in Vietnam, we have a failure of civilian leadership, all right? Now, just to put it in some kind of perspective, I believe, and I talked to the president on Thursday, the former president, Donald Trump, and he would have hit back hard on these Taliban once they started this. He would have used a massive amount of power, and they knew it, which is why they didn't do anything while he was there. But he was the guy that put the timetable in motion, and Biden, taking over from Trump, the commander-in-chief, he picked up on it. I have been very hard on Joe Biden. I don't know what your politics are, Mr. Carr, and I don't really care. Uh, you're a patriot to me. You served your country honorably. You're, a, you're an honest man. I don't care whether you're what party you're in. I think that this commander in chief, Biden, is as incompetent as I've seen any commander in chief in my lifetime. How do you see it? I see that I know you're big on accountability, as am I. And uh, we were kept accountable on the battlefield. If we were going to, if we made a mistake on the battlefield, we were certainly held accountable. We would have been fired and sent home had we made the same types of decisions that our strategic level leaders made. They made, the, they had, a, there was a failure of leadership at our senior level military le leaders and from our elected officials. And none of those senior level people, government and military, have been held accountable throughout the entire course of well, this Well, they war. said they didn't do anything wrong. Biden's doing, I didn't do anything wrong. They haven't admitted anything. The only thing they said was we were surprised by the speed of it. They didn't say they did anything wrong. Not one thing. They won't admit to it. They won't cop to it. So that shows weakness to me, right? If you got a commander and you make a mistake, you tell your troops, that was a mistake. That's on me, right? And that's how we learn and get stronger as a force going forward, by sharing those failures, learning from them, applying those lessons going forward as wisdom. And we tend not to do that in this country at our senior levels. So, Commander-in-Chief Biden, you rate him a? I guess a zero on a, on a scale of one to ten. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I give him a zero uh, because I'm taking into account the southern border as well, which is a situation, as I said, humanitarian. Final question for you. Americans don't have any interest in the Afghans. You know, we want to protect ourselves from subsequent terror attacks. I do believe you're going to see Al-Qaeda and ISIS in particular reconstitute there uh, in Afghanistan, do what they want. 
train, get money, all of that. I believe that will happen. Okay. But most Americans, you know, they go Afghanistan and don't know where it is. They don't know any history, as you pointed out at the beginning of the conversation. They're not interested in Alexander the Great or what the Soviets did. They, if it doesn't affect them directly, they kind of tend to dismiss it. And that's what Biden's hoping for. He hopes this is just maybe a one, two-month storm and it blows over. Okay? Do you think it's going to blow over? Do you think Americans are so self-contained that something like this isn't really going to matter in the long run? I think it's going to blow over for them, that political elite leading class, uh, because as a country, we don't invest back in our country anymore for the most part. Uh, World War II, everyone was touched somehow by World War II, whether they saved tires and donated that for rubber, whether they're putting up blackout curtains on the Atlantic or Pacific side of the country, uh, everybody was touched somehow. Uh, very few people have invested in the country in this war effort. And for that reason, uh, I think that this is going to blow over politically, not blow over perhaps, People will remember. There'll be a certain group of people that never forgets this. But the rest of the country, unfortunately, I think will move on. Yeah, until we're attacked again by these terrorists who aren't going away. The book is The Devil's Hand. The author is Jack Carr. Mr. Carr, we appreciate talking with you. Um, Thanks for helping us out tonight. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. So there is a black conservative group that is urging all American schools to drop critical race theory teaching and adopt a 1776 UNITES curriculum. All right, that curriculum basically says that America is a noble country and it celebrates black excellence, rejects victimhood, and showcases the millions of African Americans who have prospered by embracing their country's founding ideals. Now, this story, and this comes out of the Robert Woodson group, is going to be ignored, totally ignored, by the corporate media because they don't want you to know that there are African-Americans who don't want CRT. And that is a scandal, is that we don't get across the board what's happening. We only get woke stuff. Now, there's a guy uh, on Blaze TV, that's the Glenn Beck operation. His name is Jason Whitlock. We've had him on before. And he's really, really adamant 
that the woke media is damaging the country. Mr. Whitlock joins us now from Nashville, Tennessee. So you're not surprised that Robert Woodson's group's going to get blacked out by the woke media. You're not, you see this all the time. Why do you think it's happening? What is allowing this dishonesty in the corporate media? Well, as it relates to Bob Woodson and 1776 United and his pushback against CRT, Bill, the left has decided to define African-Americans and our journey as a journey of tragedy. And the only thing they want talked about are tragedies. When you think of black people, they want you to think of tragedies. They don't want to celebrate accomplishments. They don't want to celebrate the fact that black people working with Christians here in America and believers conquered and defeated slavery, sacrificed their lives. Black and white people, hundreds of thousands of white people sacrificed their lives so that black people could live free in this country. They don't want to tell that story. They don't want to tell the story of what Dr. King and the civil rights uh, movement accomplished. Every other group gets to have their accomplishments celebrated. The left has decided there will be no celebration of black people and our accomplishments. There will only be a focus on isolated tragedies and incidents that portray America in a, bad, in a bad light and portray black people as victims. So, of course, the mainstream media is not going to pick up on but what then Bob Wilson and these guys are suggesting. But then we have to take it a step further. So the corporate leftist media, and that includes the New York Times, the Washington Post, the L.A. Times, the Boston Globe, all the networks, CNN, they want to keep African-Americans angry. Angry. Okay, um, and I'm Bill, saying myself. I'm going to go a step further, though. I, go ahead. I, I want to go a step further, Bill, because I want you to understand the real big picture. What they're trying to do with the black narrative is define the American experiment as a failure. That way, they can say this whole country's been a failure. We must completely rewrite the Constitution. Because America was founded in evilness, its, its founding documents are therefore evil, it hasn't worked for black people in this country, it hasn't worked for the LGBT community in this country, America's a failure, let's rewrite everything. That's the end game. That's a very perceptive um, statement, Jason, and I'm not patronizing you, it, it's very smart. So they're using African-Americans and other groups to try to destroy traditional America. But I'll submit to you that African-Americans are helping them, generally speaking. They're buying into this. Do you see it that way? I see it. I think there's truth in what you're saying. No question about it, Bill. I, I, I think that people are looking at the way racism and accusations of racism are being used to acquire power. People are attracted to that. And so you're seeing a lot of black people lean into that. How can I become a victim and continue this narrative that everything about America is rigged against us 
and I can use that complaint and an allegation to elevate myself, to make it so that, oh, they must have me in a prominent position on this television network or in this role as a contributor on this network, or they look racist. But I don't believe the overwhelming majority of black people are in support of critical race theory and this strategy. I think many people, just like black people are no different than any other group of people. They're so busy trying to pay their bills, take, take, their, take care of their kids, take care of themselves, that this thing that the cultural elites are doing, this elitist group of Ivy League educated uh, black people are getting on TV and are involved in academia and promoting this narrative. I think the great mass of black people are just too busy with their own lives to correct them and to okay. get involved in any kind of way. And so maybe, they put maybe the so, but, Sharptons, I, but I, I think there's more to it than that. And you're a sports guy. And so let's use a sports analogy. Yep. There's a tremendous amount of peer pressure. So if, if a conservative athlete goes into the locker room, whether he's black or white or she, and, and says, you know what, I'm not buying into all of this. That can get you ostracized on a team. That gets you critically hammered. You saw what happened to Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, and so that peer pressure, not a, just in a locker room, but it's on the streets too. If you don't conform to the victimization narrative, you got some problems. I'll give you the last word on it. I'll say this, Bill. When you say it's on the streets, I say it's on the social media streets where there is great retribution and penalty for not towing the line. But just look at commercial hip hop music. It's not a music of victimization. You don't, the rap music isn't out saying, oh God, look what happened to me. It's actually talking about this is what I'll do to you in pursuit of financial reward and gains. And so, I think in the big tech, Silicon Valley controlled uh, social media world, yes, you are punished for not towing that line. On the actual streets, I'm not so sure. The things that I say on my show, the things I'm saying to you, I've said in barbershops and on bar stools all across the black community. No one recoils from it. No one thinks I'm crazy for saying it. Most people nod their head in agreement. But really? over That's social media, do they do that? No. No, there because there's a penalty to be paid. All right, Jason, we'll continue the conversation. You're a great guest, and we really appreciate you making time for us. Thank you, Bill. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful a lot of anxiety, and it's gonna get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day 
and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, let's get on to COVID. As I mentioned, the booster shots are coming. Um, and the mask mandates also on public transportation through January 2022. Biden administration has said if you take a train, bus, passenger vehicle that is uh, Uber or something like that, ships, airlines, you got to wear a mask. Okay? So Reuters first broke this story. It confirmed by the administration now. Mask mandates on public transportation. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not wearing a mask. I, I guess I, if I have to take a plane, I'm going to have to wear the mask or Amtrak or something like that. I guess I'm going to have to do it. But if I have an option, I'll drive my own car. Um, I, I just, I really, I'm done with the masks. Just me. So the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, a team that can never really get untracked, is demanding that all their fans be vaccinated, but you can get the vax at the stadium. Now, um, if you are unvaxxed the Raiders, I don't know if I really want vaccine coming from the Las Vegas Raiders. So, but anyway, it's the first NFL team. The others will follow. That you got to be vaccinated stands. Okay, but we'll give you the vax if you come to the stadium with a ticket. And then you got to be masked. You have to, the people that get the shot, because you got to get two, uh, they're not J&J. That vaccine is pretty much out the window now. It doesn't protect you enough. So um, the people that you'll see in the Vegas stadium wearing a mask are the ones that are unvaxxed um, or just got the vax. Uh, New Zealand. Now, this is a kind of loopy country down there. Beautiful. Never been there. It's on my list. Uh, so they have one case of COVID. One. Since February. And it's a 58-year-old man, and he was unvaccinated. So they found out that he's got COVID in Auckland. This is uh, New Zealand's largest city. And they've shut down a whole country. One. One guy. So only businesses and services deemed essential will be allowed to operate. One guy got it. Those, you know, <laughs> it may be bad here. But it's worse than New Zealand. So Texas Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott's got COVID. He took the shot, the vax, on December 22nd, 2020 on live TV. So he's vaxxed. But he got it probably from a uh, political rally he attended in Collin County, outside of Dallas-Fort Worth. And uh, he was around a lot of people. And he, nobody had masks, and he got it. But here's the deal as Joe Biden would say, uh, he doesn't have any symptoms, okay, or fever or aches and pain, not have anything. But they test the governor uh, regularly, and he has, his wife doesn't have it. So even if it's a breakthrough case and you're vaxxed, you're not on your back or in the hospital. Pope Francis, uh, he is advocating for the vaccine. He said, quote, getting the vaccines that are authorized by the respective authorities an act of love and helping the majority of people to do so is an act of love. Love for oneself, love for our families and friends, love for all peoples. 
He's basically saying, you know, we got to give the vax to Africa and other countries. And I agree with that. You know, we have to be vaccinated first, but we should be spreading it around. So now uh, the Pope is on board with the vax. My reporting here. All right. In other news, um, you know that the uh, southern border remains a catastrophe. Uh, And now a federal judge, Matthew Kosmyrick, Trump appointee in Amarillo, Texas. He's a Fed judge, though, um, has said that the U.S. government has to return to the remain in Mexico policy that Biden knocked out by executive order. Now, will this happen? It'll be appealed, the Biden administration will appeal it, but it's a first step. Um, It's Texas, so maybe something's going to happen. Maybe Biden will get slapped down. If it gets to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, then, of course, they, they wouldn't do it because it's all political. All right, having a COVID update. Um, so everybody's going booster shot now, right? Booster shot? Uh, you know, I get it. Um, so U.S. health experts are expected to recommend booster shots for all Americans, regardless of age. That means kids, too. All right. Eight months after they receive their second dose of the vaccine. Uh, I guess that'll come out soon. And uh, all right. I'll get it. But the anti-vaxxers aren't going to get the boost. They're going to get their other stuff. Um, About 200 million uh, Americans are fully or partially vaccinated right now. So 335 million in the country. And we got 200 vaccinated. Okay. I predict that this COVID thing will subside in the fall. Could be wrong. Kids in COVID. Now, this is a big one. So children under the age 18 represent 14, 1.4% of all COVID cases, yet 0.1% hospitalization. 0.1%. So that means when the kids get COVID, they don't get it bad like the old people do, all right? So it's like the flu. So that's very, very important. Hospitalization, we don't know because um, seven states don't give out that info. Right now, um, there are, let's see, 19 deaths among children. 19, no, 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 I'm sorry. These stats are very muddled because each state uh, reports and it's all over the place. But there are hardly any kids in the hospital. (laughs) Let me break it down that way. I've been trying for weeks to get kids stats and you can't get them. But we do have the one stat that's in stone, 0.1% of all the child COVID cases resulted in hospitalization. So it's infinitesimal. Um... This is a very interesting story. You'll hear nowhere else but here. Moms with young kids under the age of five have increased their alcohol consumption by 325%, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse. So if you have a little kid and you're a mom, you're boozing. Now, why? Well, because you're afraid. 
Women are more likely to use alcohol to cope with stress, depression, and anxiety. So they're afraid of COVID, they're afraid of economic stuff, whatever it may be. But isn't that interesting? So drunk moms aren't good. If you're a mom, don't get drunk. Fake COVID vax cards. Okay, so the feds have seized a whole bunch of them. And guess where they come from? China. So China, criminals in China, are counterfeiting COVID vax cards, shipping them to the USA where they are sold. Okay, border agents confiscated 121 packages with 3,000 fake vaccination cards. Um, inevitable, right? People want to buy the cars. They don't want to get vaxxed. There you go. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth, delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually. You're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, here's the final thought of the day. I got a lot of mail from conspiracy people. And the internet loves that. Conspiracy, conspiracy this. Biden's a foreign agent. Uh, The vaccine is spreading covid COVID was invented by some guy in Cambodia. You know what it is. Don't do that. Please. If you read something on the internet, write down where it's coming from. There's usually a banner. Who is telling you? Then you write me a letter and said, I read this by this person. I can tell you. Look, killing Kennedy. And that's the biggest conspiracy in the world the assassination of JFK. We just blew it out of the water. Blew it right out of the water with facts. Okay? So, conspiracies are almost impossible to do because someone will leak. Someone will break. Someone will get drunk and put something out. I've never seen a conspiracy. All right? I know people love them. I know it. I know it. You got movies about them. You got this. You got that. But you got to go with the facts. That's what we do here. You come here, what we tell you, we can back up. 